Um, what an introduction that was. Um, that was very kind. And this, as you said, it's long overdue. This conversation um, has been meaning to happen for quite some time now. I tell you to be different and creative and think this way. A much used business cliche. Kayla. What is outside the box? You got it. We're flying high with the wings and talking all things lacrosse. You're now listening to the Outside the Box podcast right here on Underground Sports Philadelphia. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Outside the Box podcast right here on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. This is episode number 154. We have a lot to talk about. Last week, we had our interview with Rachel Valarelli, and then news broke that the NLL season was canceled. We have PLL news to talk about, and we have an amazing, kick-ass, awesome interview with the queen of content from Connecticut, Robin Brown, who works for the New England Black Wolves and Connecticut Sun. You'll hear that later on in the episode. But joining me, as he always does, the one and only Harry the K. What's up? We're back, and so much lacrosse news to talk about. A lot to get into. So much. And uh, before we do, got to give a shout-out to the sponsors, our friends at Tomahawk Shades. Head over to TomahawkShades.com right now. Fill up your cart like your Harrison. Get 27 pairs of the blue light glasses, the sunglasses. You only get one pair of eyes, guys. You got to protect them. They got those Trevor Baptiste Speed Boy glasses on there. Whole bunch of fun lacrosse collabs. They've got their small batch collective. Check it out. TomahawkShades.com. And when you go to check out, put in promo code USP to save 25% off your order at TomahawkShades.com. That's TomahawkShades.com, promo code USP for 25% off your order. Tomahawk Shades, an affordable lifestyle sunglass. Harrison, I don't know about you, man, but uh, Valentine's Day is upon us. It's, it's right around the corner. By the time you guys are listening to this, Valentine's Day is two days away. So make sure you're ready for wherever the night may take you. Our friends at Manscaped, the global leaders in men's below-the-waist grooming, are here to tell you that you need to use the best tools for the job so you can be ready for anything on that special day. Two million men, Harrison and I included, are already trusting Manscaped products to groom. Make sure you're also one of them. Your girl can't think of what to get you this year. Tell her to get the gift that's for you and for her. The best way to get started is with the Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0, full of the best products to keep you looking, smelling, and feeling nice. Guys, you know, here on OTB, we're a look good, feel good, play good podcast. Manscaped, same thing. You look good, smell good, feel good. The Perfect Package 3.0 is lead, 
buy the revolutionary third-generation lawnmower 3.0 trimmer that has advanced skin-safe technology and features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. It's also waterproof, which prevents a mess on the bathroom floor and in the sink, especially when it's time for Cupid to shoot his arrow like Kevin Crowley launching a goal into the back of the net. And let's be real, we've smelled the worst down there before. That's why we're thankful for the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver. These products keep our boys from sweating, smelling, and sticking like our lacrosse gloves after practice. And these products, they, they smell good. G-O-O-D, all caps, good. Their manly scent is attractive and will set the mood, if you know what I mean. The Perfect Package 3.0 will also come with a pair of Manscaped boxers that'll keep your junk feeling, f- feeling fresh all day long. It's time to upgrade those over the used pair of boxers to Manscaped's high-performance anti-chafing boxers, easily the comfiest boxers Harrison and I have ever had. And complete your grooming game with the new refined cologne signature scent by Manscaped. With the same signature scent that's in all Manscaped formulas, this cologne is a perfect complement to the collection. This is the perfect package for your perfect package. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code USP at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. That's right. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code USP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code USP. Happy Valentine's Day from OTB and Manscaped. And, of course, our most recent sponsor, guys, Stateside Urban Craft Vodka, the fastest-growing craft spirit in Pennsylvania. They're headquartered in Old Kensington, Philadelphia, but they're currently closed due to covid But when that bad boy opens up and the NLO is back, best believe we'll be hanging out there after Wings games because they have a full bar. They have restaurants, and they offer distillery tours weekly. Harrison, how many days are there in a week? Uh, There are seven days in a week. Yes, so for every day of the week that they offer distillery tours, that's how many times they distill their vodka. Seven times distilled. It's certified gluten-free, and it's blended with electrolytes, making it the first vodka on the market with a mineral composition that's on the same spectrum of electrolytes found in that sports drink that everyone loves that starts with a G, and it's also the first actively hydrating vodka on the market. Plus, they've won awards for best package in the world, so go to statesidevodka.com to purchase your vodka. The one-liter bottles, you can use our promo code USP to get 10% off your order. It's the only thing they can legally discount, so take advantage of this opportunity, statesidevodka.com. Promo code USP to get 10% off the one liter vodka bottles at statesidevodka.com. Must be 21 or older to order. Please drink responsibly. So like we said, guys, the NLL announced that the season that was supposed to get started in April has been canceled. Tears in my eyes, bro. So sad. It was a bummer. And... You know, it, it makes sense because we, we've been talking about it for a while, whether it's on social media or on the podcast or just in text conversations between you, Dom, and I. Players were more than likely going to have to end up picking one or the other between the NLL and the PLL because the seasons were going to overlap if the April plan was to play a full season. Yeah, I mean players would have had to make that hard decision no matter what. And the league canceling takes it right out of their hands, makes it real easy if they're already in the PLL. But I wish I could have seen some boss across earlier this year. We'll just have to wait until the fall at this point. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully, you know, 
Things will will turn around. We'll get the 2021-2022 season. The Calgary Roughnecks will go down as the longest reigning defending champs ever. Uh, <laughs> Might even make it to uh, three years at this point. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, by the time the the hopeful 2021-2022 season starts, they'll be defending champs since 2019. Nobody's ever seen a rain like this. They're the true champs. Shout out Calgary Roughnecks. What a dynasty. Didn't even have to defend their title. <laughs> Nobody wanted to come at them. Literally. Nobody wanted a piece of the Calgary Roughnecks. Calgary was making sure that social distancing, pushing people away with their lacrosse sticks. Keep that Stay six away from our trophy. trophy. <laughs> exactly. Um, it is a bummer. The, the one question I have, and nobody really has the answer, including people I've talked to around the league, is what is going to happen with the players that are on one-year contracts? Can players do, you know content and things for their teams since they're technically not getting paid now um that it, we're in uncharted waters essentially with with what's happening um so it's going to be an interesting state of affairs when it comes to how the league ends up playing with free agency and how guys are gonna eventually get paid and how they can interact with the the franchises that they are you know air quote part of Hey, hey you. Yeah, you listening to this podcast right now. You're listening to an Underground Sports Philadelphia podcast. You should probably know that we have an entire catalog of podcasts on this network. So what I want you to do right now, once you finish this episode, after you finish subscribing, leaving a five-star review down in the Apple Podcast section, I want you to search Underground Sports Philadelphia And go check out our catalog of podcasts, especially our flagship TV and movie podcast for streaming services called Streamer Season. We have breakdowns of amazing shows coming out weekly. You should definitely check it out. That's Streamer SZN. Search it on your favorite podcast app and give us a follow on social media. You won't regret it. Check out all the awesome podcasts on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. And thank me later. Now, back to the show. Yeah. I mean, what I'm hoping is that the players on one-year deals would be able to defer that to whenever the next season starts. But that's really hopeful thinking. I mean, that's another year off of their careers age-wise, too. So, like, these older guys who are coming to the end of their career – they sign one-year deals just trying to get one more year of game time in. Guys that are ring How's chasing. How's that going to affect them? Yeah. Like, this is going to throw so many players' contracts and so many players' careers into turmoil. It's just sad to watch. And I feel so, I don't know, like miserable for these players. Yeah. It, it's horrible to watch. It sucks. And, you know, there's teams like the Wings, the Black Wolves, the the Riptide that we interact with on a, a daily basis almost when things are, you know, full-blown swinging. But we also interact with people that work for the teams and stuff. And, you know, those three teams in particular signed a lot of guys to one-year deals and traded for guys that are on one-year deals. So it's going to be – Something we keep an eye on for sure with how the league ends up dealing with free agency and, you know, how these contracts come to, you know, be enacted and 
how guys end up, you know, taking this next step in their careers with the NLL and if they end up staying with the teams they signed with or if they go back into free agency. It's it's a big, giant question mark that we've really never seen in any sport before. Yeah. Again, this whole year was uncharted waters, as you put it earlier, for every sports league, but the NLL is the only one who's had to cancel two seasons so far. This is going to... This is also going to be a, raise a big question. How are they going to bring in Panther City now? I Would still think that's the same. I still think that's on the board because they weren't planning on coming in during this shortened season. 2021-2022 was the year that Panther City was coming in. So the next time we hopefully see the NLL in action, it will be with Panther City Lacrosse. And what does this mean for the expansion draft now? Yeah. Is, are they just going to run right into it willy-nilly like – yeah, we were supposed to have a season and let these guys get used to their new teams if they moved. But now we're just going to throw them right into the drafts. Yeah. Maybe give some more protections to the teams. But, like, still. That is the other interesting part is the guys who signed those one-year deals that are coming from other teams or were traded to other teams. How does that affect their, you know, expansion draft status and what it does for these other teams that were planning on this being their roster and all of that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of unanswered questions that hopefully we'll get answers to down the line, but right now it's an open-ended story. My, one of my biggest questions, though, is like, how are they going to get practice in for box? Because as we all know, box and outdoor are very different games, especially for players like Blazer who need to play two completely different positions. How's this hiatus, this extremely long hiatus since, what, April, March of last year? March of last year, so March of 2020. Yeah, it's been, it's Almost been a, year. a year. It's basically been a year, exactly. How How is this uh, absence from the indoor game going to affect play when we eventually get back? Just so many questions that COVID has opened up it's a can of worms after a can of worms after a can of worms and so on and so forth yeah so it's definitely something we're going to keep an eye on and obviously uh i'm thankful that we didn't start our season preview series we had ready to go um but that doesn't mean we're going to stop having nll players on like we have a a list of guys that we're reaching out to and and other people that work for teams that will be on there's gonna be a lot of guests this this lacrosse offseason and hopeful you know, heading into the PLL as well, but we're going to have a lot of guests coming back on and um, including today with, with Robin Brown with an electric conversation. So um, I think with that, you know, the, the NLL being canceled sucks. It makes sense why it had to be done. Um, But I think my biggest issue is that they were relying way too heavily on fans being back in the stadium Mm -hmm. for their season to be conducted. Yep. I mean, you look at the NHL, you look at the NBA, they had plans in place should fans be able to come back. But that's not what they did to prepare for their seasons. You saw NHL sell off their division names to like Mass Mutual and Honda. The NBA was prepared either way. Like they're always, well, they're usually prepared, I would say. Um, handling COVID aside, it's been a bit of a mess, but. That should be as per, but banking on fans coming back during a pandemic is not a good sign 
for any league. And I mean, it makes sense for a league like the NLL because it does of the type of league they are. Like they're still in essence like a startup league um, that does rely on you know ticket sales and they rely on concessions and you know merch being purchased and all that kind of stuff. Um, but it, it does suck that that was like a major thing that they were banking on happening and just never came to fruition. Yeah. Uh, I think they're moving in the right direction. I've been saying they've been moving in the right direction for ages, considering how they've been around for so long, but still are, as you said, a startup league. But uh, I don't know. I, I hope that uh, finally getting a Fanatics team shop and like shout out Michael toward- Rubin. Shout out Michael Rubin. Yeah. Uh, no free shout outs. <laughs> Please pay us. Uh, Michael Rubin, no, come uh, on the podcast challenge. <laughs> Michael Rubin and Meek getting double pair right there. Uh, but no, I, I, it's hard for them, especially, but they'll find their way back. They always bounce back. Yeah, this I, is a resilient league. I agree. I think the NLL is one of those leagues that, sure, they're in, in the grand scheme of things, like they're still in an infancy stage. Um, and of course, they've been around for a long time. But you know, with the way that sports have evolved, they're in very much of an infancy stage, which is a good thing. Yeah, um, I mean, the MLB's been around since the 1800s. The NFL, the early 1900s. Yeah, give it time. There's, We're fine. they're like they're still growing. There's a lot that they can still learn to help grow, and I think they're doing it the right way. Um, and hopefully, we'll have NLL across again because I miss being in that press box at the Wells Fargo Center. God, I just want to get to a game and like cover that. That sounds so fun. It is. I miss, I, I miss live sports so bad. Yeah, I mean the last live sports event I went to is coming up on a year, March seventh <laughs> against the Black Wolves, <laughs> Wings game, day game too. Um, <sighs> it's been way too long. So, speaking of the Black Wolves, we're gonna be joined by the one and only Robin Brown for an electric, fun, entertaining conversation. So. Stay tuned for that. It's coming right up, right here, right now. Robin Brown. So this is probably the most anticipated interview we've ever had on the Outside the Box podcast. It's not a player. It's not a coach. Uh, It's the queen of content from Connecticut, the one and only Robin Brown joins me now from the New England Black Wolves and the Connecticut Sun in the WNBA, the official uh, outside-the-box WNBA squad because of our friends at the Black Wolves. But, Robin, welcome to the Outside the Box podcast, and it's about damn time. Um, What an introduction that was. Um, That was very kind. And this, as you said, it's long overdue, this conversation. Um, has been meaning to happen for quite some time now. Absolutely. So let's get the the boring kind of stuff out of the way because it <laughs> means no lacrosse. Um, the NLL canceled the season. You obviously work for the Black Wolves. We have fun with the Black Wolves on Twitter since mm-hmm. day one. Um, I'm pretty bummed that we don't get to have uh, weekly pick interactions on Twitter and you guys bully the hell out of us, but... It is, uh, it's quite a bummer that we're not going to have a season. Yeah, I, I think that the NLL, you know, did everything in their power to make something happen. 
And I know that that did not come to fruition for opening weekend to take place in April. Um, I know that our guys are, I mean, for us, and I'm sure we'll get into this, but just the way the season ended, you know, previously and not having playoffs and being in that first place position and, you know, just the eagerness for our squad to get back together and just, you know, we resigned so many people um, and so many key pieces to New England success that I don't, I almost feel like heartbreak is an understatement um, to say just because I know how incredible our locker room is, our coaching staff is, uh, and how hard they work that I, it leaves you a little speechless. Cause you're just like, wow, like there's, we just, it's not going to happen yet. Yeah. And I mean, it felt like this coming season was going to be kind of that, like breaking through the ice of like the NLL developing like hardcore rivalries and like fans mm-hmm. really getting into the, I think I'll say it right now for everybody. Cause we have fans from all over the league. The East Division is the most competitive and most like intense division in the NLL. <laughs> you said it, not me. <laughs> I mean, the, the storylines in the East alone are ridiculous. Between you have the New York, Boston, New England, Philly, you know, triad. You have guys that have played for Georgia that play for all these other teams now. This offseason, Callum Crawford goes to New York, leaves new, uh, you know, the Black Wolves and everything. And uh, I have to also ask, because it came into play last season, now that we're not going to have a season, what would mm-hmm. you put the over-under at Mohegan Sun Arena for overhead cameras coming into play in the arena? You're really going to take <laughs> You're going to take Philly's side on that. I... I... <laughs> I mean, if one more um, kind Philly fan wants to tweet at New England um, I about these dang overhead cameras, all I'm going to go forward in saying is that the goal was good. The goal <laughs> will always be good. And the W is forever in our record books. So that's that's where we landed. I don't know where his foot landed, but the goal landed. And it counted. <laughs> I, I would have been more on board with that if he wasn't wearing Woodstock on his feet. Oh, I mean, <laughs> that's Callum Crawford for you. So, um, but I mean, what an exciting game that was that, you know, a memory I'll never forget. Um, and just the joy and elation watching the review and waiting for, you know, the referee just to walk to center of that turf and just uh, that arena was absolutely electric and to have a game winning goal, that decision be over your rival. I mean, that that's just the type of the type of thing you dream of experiencing working for a sports franchise and even just being a fan, being in the arena, getting to witness something like that. And I think, you know, the New England Philly rivalry is unique because mm-hmm. the Black Wolves used to be the Wings back in the day before they relocated. So there's that yeah. added like history factor into the rivalry, and I think mm-hmm. it's it's one of the best rivalries in the entire league. Yeah, I mean, I would agree with that, um, and I know that sometimes it gets a little uh, whose uh, records or what you know, like what did we really adopt when <laughs> you know 
were the wings, but there are the wings there now. So I know that gets a little tricky. Um, but I, I mean, it's just, it, it's so fun because you have something to look forward to and, um, everyone from the staff to the players, to the fans, they're engaged and they're, they're looking forward to this match and whether, you know, you're in Philly or you're in Connecticut, it's not a far distance. So you can go, you can attend. Um, yeah, I would say one of the top rivalries in the league, let alone the East for sure. So with, with your, with you guys in new England, you have probably the biggest power group of women in sports working Mm -hmm. in the league. Mm -hmm. What is it like working with, just an incredible group of humans day in and day out for, you know, obviously two sports franchises, but um, you guys are just some of the hardest working individuals that I think in any sport. So what is it like being on the same team with all of these badass women? Yeah. that that I, Well, I appreciate, you know, you saying that um, because that definitely means a lot. Um, you know, it, it's important to have women in positions of power and in the front office, um, uh, on your coaching staff, uh, you know, but for our staff specifically, um, it's empowering and it, um, is encouraging and you feel the support, um, you know, you, most of the time I feel like some people have mostly male role models partially in the sports industry, but I've been lucky enough to work with so many incredible women from, you know, our vice president, Amber Cox and, you know, our PR specialist, Annette Hogan, just um, two in particular that, you know, they make me want to perform better and they make me want to be the best version of myself and create the best content. And, you know, it, continue to expose people to the sport of box lacrosse because you and I know how incredible it is and we just want the rest of the world to be able to see that um so I think all of us from sales to marketing to social to business sponsorship just all of the above um you know we're working for people to see that because we know how incredible the men on our roster are um and we know how badly they want to bring home a championship that you know we're just as you're being a badass and you know fighting and battling on the turf like we're doing that in the off in the office you know fighting just to give you guys the best experience that they can have as athletes on the field and also for our fans within the community of Connecticut absolutely and I mean you brought up a net. You guys are like conjoined at the hip. Tell me about this <laughs> friendship because you guys are like the two best friends that anyone could ever have. <laughs> um, Annette Hogan is uh, definitely my best friend. Um, with this new uh, remote working, um, we probably sit on Zoom for five plus hours a day. <laughs> so, um, it, it it's interesting because our roles you know, everything overlaps, right? You're, uh, she handles a lot of our player relations and the media within Connecticut and being within the community. And, you know, I handle a lot of the exposure and the marketing of our players, whether that is 
through interviews or through social content. Um, so to have, you know, a colleague who you're with them, you know, when you work in sports, it's not a nine to five games are on weekends. They're late nights. Um, so just to have someone who is so encouraging and supportive, um, it makes me that much more happier to come to work every day because I know I get to work with someone so positive and influential. Um, I, you know, she just turned 25. And when I think about her, I, I just imagine how much success she's going to have with how much she's already experienced, um, you know, in her short time working in professional sports. What's your favorite Tyler Brocious story? Oh gosh. <laughs> you had to know Tyler that was coming. <laughs> um, so Tyler and I, you know, we, we actually went to school together before we ended up working together. Um, and I, I credit him a lot for, you know, a lot of what I learned outside of the classroom, um, his demeanor and his, you know, his personality and his <laughs> wittiness. There is no one like him. Um, but man, Broch and I shared an office um, for a year, maybe. Um, I don't know if I've ever seen someone drink so much iced coffee in my life. <laughs> 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 um, but so if you're wondering how he has so much energy, I'm not saying it's the coffee, but I'm just saying a lot is consumed. <laughs> so we need. So what you're saying is we need to get Tyler a coffee sponsor, like ASAP, no Rocky. Um, that is exactly what I. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, he uh, that man's he's special. Um, he's intelligent. He's personable. He. You know, we still we still chat on the phone, you know, probably every other month just to catch up. And he's in my ear and I'm in his. Um, so it's cool to know that even though we may not work for the same team, you know, we're still on the same team at the end of the day. Um, but yes, I if uh, Duncan or Starbucks needs a um, sponsor, I will certainly send Tyler Brocious their way. <laughs> um, so being a sideline reporter is, I think, one of the most unique and difficult yet fun jobs all in one. Um, mm -hmm. What do you enjoy most about being on the sidelines? Ooh, now that's a good question. What do I enjoy most? So I think for me, Kyle, what makes my job interesting is, yes, I serve as a sideline reporter for both the Sun and the Black Wolves, but that's in terms of the broadcast, right? But in terms of the team, no other team in either league has a sole team reporter that is just aligned with their players day in and day out. So... I am granted the opportunity to build, you know, this different type of level of rapport. I, I get to know the guys off the field, on the field, you know, during practices, you know, I'm always there. Um, so because I have that different type of opportunity to spend that time, I think it elevates, you know, what I can bring to a broadcast. 
Um, it elevates the stories that I can tell about them, which I think is my favorite part to answer your question is just, I get to learn about their different backgrounds, um, where they come from, what adversity they've handled, what their favorite coffee order is, just, you know, um, it's a little bit of everything because at the end of the day, you're telling a full story. Um, and I think I've always said that the reason I love sports so much is because it's a universal language and it's one that everyone can connect with. Um, it doesn't matter what my background is, what their background is, the color of our skin, you know, how we were raised, like we can connect through sports and that's powerful. Um, it's, it's unifying. And so being able to tell those stories, um, just as empowering to listen to them as it is to be able to share them. Um, so just to have players that trust me with that, uh, it's a very, it's a very cool part of the job. And on the flip side, what's the most difficult or most like, I guess, thing that you have to prepare for when you're getting ready for a broadcast? Ooh. So I think uh, what's interesting about my role and what compared to if you're a color commentator or if you're, you know, play by play, you're commentating on what's happening during the game, right? You're the one who's telling the story, the ebbs and the flows, who's going on runs, um, you know, the stats of how many goals they've had or what their shooting percentage is from the free throw line. But for me, you know, you're not always telling that specific story of the game. So you have no idea who is going to perform well, right? Like, I don't know coming into the game that Callum Crawford was going to go off for nine goals or Joe Reziteritz was. So you have to be prepared to talk about any single player at any given time and have information ready to go. Um, so it, it's, the the preparedness for the game, I think, comes, you know, way before tip-off even happens or the first whistle is blown. Um, you have no idea what's going to happen, and you're not just reading off stats or telling the story of exactly who's scoring what bucket. Um, so I think it's just the preparedness is probably the most, you know, important part, but probably the most difficult, too, because you have to be ready for anything and everything. Are there any sideline reporters that like in any of, you know, the major four sports or any sport in general that you kind of try to, you know, keep an eye on and, and pick little things out of what they do in order to enhance the way that you deliver on a broadcast? Cause I know for me, like listening to different podcasts, I'll listen to questions that people will ask or, you know, how things get delivered. And I'm like, Oh, that's a pretty interesting way to do it. Is there, anyone in particular that like you kind of I guess for lack of a better term like look up to and kind of you know try to pick and pick their brain from afar and, and use it in your delivery for broadcast yeah um I really like the way that you said that because I I think I do the same thing you know I'm often sitting on a couch and if I'm watching a game like I have my notepad open just on my phone because I'm constantly listening to the way that they're posing a question, um, the verbiage, the delivery, the dialect. So 
um, it's interesting to hear someone who has their own podcast show as yourself, you know, doing something similar within this industry, um, just to see how, uh, someone else is doing the same delivery. Uh, but to answer the question of, I don't know if it's a specific sideline reporter, but I think there are certain just female reporters in general, um, or analysts that I definitely look to. Um, I would say LaChina Robinson, uh, from ESPN. Uh, I learn from her daily Sarah Kustak from the Brooklyn Nets. Um, the way she's able to, uh, talk about a game and analyze what's going on on the court. It, it just opens your eyes to see it from a different vantage point and how she's viewing it. Um, Rachel Nichols is a huge, I don't know her personally and never have met her, but I genuinely look up to the way that, um, she works her work ethic, how she speaks on her show. Um, if I could pick her brain one day, <laughs> my bucket list. So Rachel, if you would like to have a coffee, <laughs> Tyler Brocious, get on it. <laughs> um, but yeah, those are three immediate ones um, that come to mind just from a broadcasting perspective um, that ring a bell. Let's talk about the Wubble for a little bit because I feel <laughs> like you were in the grand spotlight of the Wubble from content and everything. And mm -hmm. what was that experience like? Because yeah, I feel like it's something that, one, obviously not a lot of people get to experience, but from the daily grind of doing so mm -hmm. many jobs from the outside looking in, what was the Wubble like for you? Yeah. I think that the Wubble experience um, had similarities and differences for everyone based on what your role was there. Um, I think players went through certain, um, you know, trials and tribulations, ups and downs. Um, and I think that went, was the same for athletic trainers, coaches, and, you know, any social content producer that was there per team. Um, it was, I think the best way I can describe it is just the two E's exhilarating and exhausting. Um, you know, you, because they wanted the league as a whole wanted to keep everyone so safe. Um, you know, you were only allowed to bring so many staff members in for your organization. So versus on a regular game night, when you have you know, your graphic designers, multiple photographers, videographers, um, you're, you're just your entire staff, you know, you were limited to like, basically, no one. Um, and so it was difficult, because you had to wear many hats. Um, so some days, okay, most days, you know, they were like, <laughs> They were like 16 hour days. Um, you know, you're up in the morning and you were, you had shoot around and every other day was a game day and you had practices and media availabilities, um, trying to capture any type of content within this little Bradenton box that we lived in. Um, 
it wasn't easy. Was it rewarding and probably the most um, rewarding experience? And, you know, one of my favorite experiences today, 110% yes. Um, But I also think that a lot of people don't know the ins and outs and everything that goes on behind the scenes to make one little thing happen that you may see on social media or on a broadcast or in a commercial. Um, The work of the people behind the scenes from every team was absolutely admirable um, to witness as well. Yeah, and I mean, while the wobble was going on, you're also attempting to keep tabs. I'm not going to say Robin texted me or tweeted me saying she was listening to the Outside the Box podcast to keep up with the PLL, but... Also, mm-hmm. not saying that she didn't. What's it like yeah. in the off season for you, lacrosse wise, when you're working for the Sun, when they're you know in the thick of things for a season, but also want to keep tabs on guys from the Black Wolves that are also playing the outdoor game? Yeah, so we have obviously before Panther City. I'm not going to count them in the answer to this question. Um, you know, I, as far as I'm aware, we're the only NLL front office that overlaps you know, entirely with another professional sports team. Um, So the last two years, Kyle, actually the same day as the NLL draft was the same day we would be in a playoff game for the Sun, two years in a row. Um, And that is an experience like no other. Um, You know, you have two computers running at once with, one game going on, the draft going on somewhere else, you know, in Philly, I believe. So I remember um, working this year in the Wubble, working um, our playoff game, you know, tweeting, whatnot, posting photos from down in Bradenton while having my, this game's going on in front of me, while having my AirPods in listening to the broadcast of the draft. Um, so the communication between myself um a woman who runs part of our social and then also with Annette, um, your communication is tenfold because you're putting out draft picks and you're communicating with our coaches in Philly. Meanwhile, we're running a professional basketball game socially through public relations and whatnot. Um, so I think <laughs> um, those days are wild, um, exciting, but definitely wild. Um, I think that the one of the hardest parts is balancing maybe um, because you have two important teams and you want them to both feel respected equally. And it's hard sometimes uh, through the overlap. Um, but I don't, I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't want to change it. I take so much pride in working for both teams, but um, it's definitely an interesting scenario trying to keep tabs on everything at once. Um, My phone never stops ringing and my notifications are on for both teams. So um, my phone is buzzing all day long. Yeah. I think the only two other two teams besides Panther city that have similar kind of situations but they're also kind of in the same season is the wings because they're owned by the philadelphia flyers ownership group and then the colorado mammoth get a load of this stan Kroenke owns the mammoth but he also is the owner of the avalanche the denver nuggets and the rapids in the mls oh my gosh <laughs> wow okay he wins 
that's that's just called big money talking, and uh, I wish I had a sliver of Stan Kroenke's <laughs> money. Um, uh, include me there. <laughs> <laughs> question for you, since you obviously deal with both teams, uh, scale of 1 to 10, how much of a baller would Alyssa Thomas be in the NLL? Ooh, that may be one of the best questions I've ever been asked. Um, She would be an absolute weapon for the New England Black Wolves. Um, Oh, gosh. I I wish that, you know, our players were in market at the same time to do a crossover piece like that, which just gives me a great content idea. Thank you, Kyle. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, she would be an absolute beast because she is the most competitive athlete I have ever watched play in person. Um, She would absolutely go out there with no fear, um, even if she, you you know, actually, this is interesting. I was going to say, even if she doesn't know exactly what she was doing, but the game between box and basketball, there's so many similarities. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly how I learned the game was by, you know, trying to understand it through basketball terminology. Uh, I remember Brendan Glasheen, you know, we were breaking down game film once and talking about, uh, you know, an offensive set. And he was like, it's the same, a pick and roll in basketball, the same thing. You're having a pick and roll in box lacrosse. And when I started viewing it through a basketball lens, I was able to begin understanding the game when I first got into lacrosse reporting it it was so much smoother of a transition in gaining knowledge on how to basically report. And I don't think a lot of people put those two and two together. Yeah. I tell everybody that box lacrosse is literally basketball and hockey had a baby and created this super sport in the middle of a rock concert because the music. never. <laughs> <laughs> you can add that in facts. <laughs> that is absolute facts. Um, and on the flip side, which, uh, which New England Black Wolf would be an absolute hooper on the court? Ooh, I'm torn here. I'm torn. So during media day, um, for the Black Wolves, we were actually in the practice facility for the sun and we got a ball out and we're playing a little pickup. Um, so I'm basing, you know, my, my answer half on this because I feel like B Manny would just, you know, that he would be able to ball. I could my guy. But John LaFontaine, his whole family has a basketball background. So his mom and sister and him all coach. They all played. Um so he he has some skill in him from our little, you know, two on twos, three on threes that went down. So I'm I'm torn. I don't know if I can choose. <laughs> That's there's your New England Black Wolves NBA jam squad. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> I'll take a cover photo for that next. There's an there's a social graphic for the Black Wolves. There you go. Um what is you know your your journey in sports i feel like is so much fun and it's interesting what first mm-hmm. got you into wanting to work in sports 
Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I was really raised on all of them. You know, I, I played baseball with the boys until I was 13 before I ever picked up a softball. So, you know, there was just, I was in the club soccers and the, the travel basketballs and the volleyballs and this and that. Um, I, I honestly think it was a way that my family was able to connect with one another. Um, you know, my dad was always the coach and he's such a teacher of the game. So learning from him was how we created a bond. And my mom, she's just the most organized human being that, you know, like uh, the snack mom and, you know, the one setting up the parades and hosting the end of the year sports parties. Um, so the two of them just, they made a really good team. Um, and so I think it's just what kind of united us together. Um, and I fell in love with the teamwork of it. I fell in love with, uh, the competitiveness and, uh, just the action. Um, uh, there's, there's nothing like it just, uh, uh, whether you're competing in it or watching it, uh, I think I've just been raised on it my whole life that I couldn't imagine entering a different industry. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where, like you said, you played sports growing up and you always want to be around it. So like, why not work in it? If you can yeah. carve out a role for yourself one way or another, it's probably mm -hmm. one of the most rewarding jobs you can have. Yeah, I think, too, that, you know, when you're growing up, you you think uh, I'm not narrow minded necessarily, but you you think of a desk job like that's what I'm going to do. Or you think of I'm going to be a firefighter, work in laws, like whatever it may be. Um, but I know growing up, I don't think I thought like, oh, I could make sports could be a profession of mine, not as an athlete. Um, I, I still think, you know, the social media of sports and being a full-time broadcaster and that world it, is still new. Um, I mean, I'm not going to quote exactly when social media was created, but, you know, you're within a 10-year span of it really taking off. Um, so it, I, I hope that, you know, younger generations see now that this is a possibility uh, for you to pursue as a career um, down the line as you get older. You took my next question right out of my brain Ooh. because social media is something you and I are both on mm -hmm. daily. Um, yes. How wild is it, you know, just the landscape of social media and how quickly it's blown up to be, you know, a, a full-time job, especially yeah. in the sports industry and keeping up to date with all of the new apps and everything, what mm -hmm. what is that experience like for you working for, you know, a, a franchise? Yeah, and because I think it's taken off, it, it's a really great question and, you know, conversation to have. Um, it It's so fast, right? Something is always evolving. What's the newest trend? Hashtag, what update? happened on this, you know, this app of Instagram or Twitter, um, while also trying to find a way for your team to stay relevant. Um, it, it's interesting because people, um, or younger generations are consuming sports now 
in a little bit of a different way than you and I consume sports growing up, sitting on the couch with your family, watching it on TV, or if you were in an arena. Now you can connect to people, watch at your fingertips. Um, and social media and sports go hand in hand in that. Um, so while it does provide a lot of opportunities to engage with fans, engage with other teams and around the league, um, it's also, it never turns off. Um, and so I, it's, uh, it's a, it's a tough thing to balance again of knowing, you know, when to close out the app and when to take a break, um, from it all. What's your favorite social media app to use personally? And then your favorite one to like create for, for either the sun or the black wolves. Ooh, so for me personally, uh, Instagram is my favorite. I was going to say, you're a big Instagram gal. <laughs> I am. I certainly am. So if I should drop my at, let me know. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I definitely do enjoy Instagram. Um, for each of our teams, uh, for the Black Wolves, I would say... Ooh, I have never thought about this. Hmm. For the Black Wolves, I'm going to say that my favorite is Twitter um, because I think that the teams do a really excellent job at upkeeping the banter, um, which makes my job so much more fun because, I, I mean, I get, I, got, I get paid to tweet sometimes, right? And <laughs> I was in the office and... We it was rivalry week. Phil, Philly's coming up, and we made a tic tac toe puzzle on a ball in the office and tweeted at them and that waited was the for best. Them to, <laughs> and waited for them to put in. We marked the X for the spot. Waited for them to put an O. And like, where else do you get to do that for a job? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I mean, like. It's the moments like that where you have to remind yourself, yes, I'm using, you know, Twitter to market and create exposure and to bring in revenue, but it's also for fun. And that's why we're here is we're a brand that, you know, we're building loyalty with our fans, but we're, we're here to have fun and be that place you can open Twitter up to and smile from. And I think sometimes we forget how simple it can be as just having tic-tac-toe. <laughs> exactly and it's it's like tic-tac-toe trying to like navigate all of these social media apps to like figuring out yeah. what works best on what app and you know mm -hmm. what's going to get that engagement on this specific app you know is this the right place for is it the right time to tweet it out you know there's so yeah. much that goes into it that I think a lot of people don't realize yeah because you're a hundred percent correct because there's analytics, there's strategy, there's insight reports that were given. You know, we do look at, we look at the analytics of, okay, videos perform really well on Instagram at 5 p.m. So that's then we're going to lean to that and post at 5 p.m. a video on Instagram. But for someone in San Diego with the SEALs, that may be a completely different case for their fan base and people who are, you know, following their social channels. So, as you know, just as you said, just it is a tic-tac-toe game of learning. And sometimes that's trial and error. You know, will this work with, with work with us here in America or would it work better for a team in Canada? 
Um, so it, it's just, it's interesting to talk about that with you. Yeah. It, it's one of those things that like when I'm scheduling to tweet out a podcast or, you know, a graphic <laughs> or something, I'm like, all right, what time is it in California right now? What time is it yeah. in Halifax? Like, is it going to work at this time? This, you know, app, can I cross over the same thing on each app? What, what's going to work where? And I think so many people that aren't in, you know, the sports industry or just like marketing in general, they just view social media as like, oh, this is like my daily news or like this is where I just go to, you know, air my grievances where you and I are like, okay, we, we got to be locked in and we got to put out stuff that's going to, you know, entertain people. Yes, 100 percent. Mm-hmm. Thoughts on Clubhouse? So I've never been on it. Um, I did someone actually brought it up to me yesterday um i i would be interested to learn more about it uh but i i genuinely don't have a great background on it so if you could sum up for me i may have the gist but kind of what it is i'm i'm learning as i go uh i've been told by a couple people that i work pretty closely with they're like you need to get on clubhouse and i'm like Okay, let's see what this is all about. Um, it seems very good for like audio conferencing because it is live. My okay. only, I think, downside of it is that it is live and there's no way to go back and listen to what was said before you join a discussion uh, room. So what you're saying is this is yet another application that is being thrown into the sports industry. Yep, welcome aboard. <laughs> that I now have to understand to bring to my fans. Got it. Let's yep. add another app. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're we're gonna have fan appreciation night on Clubhouse. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, you're a Lakers fan, which yes, pains sir. me. Um, no, what, what are you a Sixers fan? One thousand percent. Just like I'm my boy Brett Manny is. Oh my gosh! I mean, I'll give it to you. Are we uh, are we destined for a Lakers Sixers NBA Finals this year? <laughs> I mean, for you and I, I think that would you know be incredible, right? I would be thrilled because it would be uh, hopefully redemption for the pain and suffering that two thousand one caused me. Oh, um. I mean, not that I would want you to experience a similar pain, <laughs> but I um, will always, the Lakers will always be my hometown team. I will always rep them with pride. Um, I mean, I, I am a huge LeBron James fan. I grew up on Kobe Bryant. Um so it, it just, I mean, a love for the Lakers, I think, highly developed my love for the game of basketball, too. Just never forget, Kobe Bryant, Lower Marion, he's from Philly, <laughs> so you're true. welcome. True. <laughs> Very true. So we, we have a little bit of a crossover there. So exactly. Although, yeah, so we'll keep that in mind. How difficult is it being a Lakers fan working in Celtics Town? <laughs> yes my boss is a huge Celtics fan um you know I think to be honest I'm so engulfed in the WNBA that 
I haven't engaged with many Celtics fans over here. You're lucky. (laughs) I've been to one game and, you know, they were rowdy. Um, I didn't wear a Lakers jersey, but I I wonder what would have happened if I did. Uh, I've, I've had a number of interactions with Celtics fans in Philadelphia during playoff time, and they are a unique bunch, to say the least. Mm, I'm just going to take your word for it. <laughs> not have the experience. <laughs> uh, with the NLL, like, what is, what's your favorite part about lacrosse? Because I feel like everybody says, you know, oh, it's the sport of the future, this and that. And I think it's, it's warranting more and more conversation of being mentioned with the big four because of how, you know, how many people are engaging with the sport across, you know, field and box. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, from your first time experiencing box lacrosse to now, what's your favorite part about the game? Uh, ooh. So I've never, my first ever look box lacrosse game, uh, I was sideline reporting. Um, so I've never even sat in an arena and just took in the actual game as a fan. Um, which I guess is a little interesting. Um, I never played lacrosse and I didn't have a background in it. Um, so the fact that I got that job is um, they had a lot of faith in a woman who had never covered professional lacrosse or any lacrosse in her life. Um, specifically at our arena, there when the lights go down, you hear the fans howling, um, you know, our intro video is running. It, it's just, uh, it, I'm like envisioning myself in that moment because I'm so happy to be there um, and to know that I get to work for that team and for this league. Um, I take so much pride in knowing that I work within a team for the national lacrosse league. Um, so I think that's my favorite part of being in the arena is just fully taking in that moment. Um, my favorite part of the actual game. who I've tried to pick up a lacrosse stick. Okay. You and me and, both. <laughs> and just to play catch is hard. Uh-huh. Okay. Like people underestimate the difficulty or the difficult aspect that the sport really brings because these players are so skilled and talented. They make it look like it is easy and it is not at all. (laughs) Um, So it it just amazes me to watch the flow of the game um, happening because it's so fast. And I know how difficult it is to literally just throw the ball and catch it. Um, And gosh, I almost just wish, you know, someone could go on the turf and try because then they'd be like, oh, wow, I had no idea. (laughs) Exactly. It is it is wild how these guys are just so damn good at this sport because it's so difficult. I have zero background in lacrosse either. As soon as this podcast started, that's the first taste of the game I got, and I've learned on the fly since, Um, and it's probably been one of the most 
rewarding experiences I've had since, you know, starting this podcast journey. But yeah, I give so much credit to these guys for the way that, you know, they put in the work and they're still, some of them are still working nine to fives and it's absolutely wild. And that's, what's amazing about this league. Since you say that is that these guys also have full-time jobs, like being a professional athlete is a full-time job, but they also are teachers and firefighters and so on and so forth that it's amazing that they're able to do both. Um, at such a high level, like you are, you know, when you're coming to an NLL game that you're going to see a show that, you know, that it's going to be competitive. You're going to watch athleticism, um, because just simply catching and cradling a ball is not easy. Um, and the amount of hours and work that goes into it. I mean, I cannot tell you how many times I have watched Joe Nardella, literally squat down not against anyone to just mentally prepare and you know enact how he's going to go for a face-off um and just because of doing that on his own over and over again the repetition I mean to see what he's made of himself in his rookie year in the NLL and two championships with the whip state whip snakes in the PLL I mean that's just a testament to greatness already that dude is a monster. I can uh, say friend of the show, Joe Nardella. And, uh, <laughs> you know, not saying he got the, the OTB bump before the PL championship, but he might have got the OTB bump. Um, what was that experience like working with him his rookie year? Because, you know, his first experience with the box game, I saw him at training camp and he was like, man, mm-hmm. this shit is tough. Um, but yeah. he's got that hockey background in him, too. And he was just a, a certified beast. I mean, he's a complete player, right? Um, He prepares, he's diligent. I mean, he's constantly teaching the game, right? To so many young kids with his own face-off factory that he owns. Um, So I think that just allows him to continue to be a student of the game. But, you know, when he goes out on the turf, he's not just, he doesn't want to just be a face-off guy, right? He has the ability to defend. We've seen him be able to play offense and score goals. Um, I think that he sets a new standard, you know, he doesn't uh, contain himself in a box only of I'm just a face-off guy. No, it's I'm a lacrosse player and I can do it all. Um, and so it, it makes me wonder if there will be a little bit of a shift in the game when people are watching him and seeing how he's progressed. Um, if things in that position could change a little bit. Uh, but he, he's just been someone incredible to get to know, um, on and off the field. Uh, I am a huge, uh, supporter of Jay Nards, King Nards, Joe Nardella. <laughs> he's a beast, uh, as are you. And two things, I am highly anxious and awaiting the debut of the Robin Brown and Net Hogan podcast, since you guys are on <laughs> zoom all the time. Um, I think it would be electric. You guys would be fantastic. I'd be your first subscriber. Um, needs to happen, but let's make it happen. Uh, sponsored by Mohegan Sun Arena, whatever needs to happen. Let's get the balls rolling on that. You let me um, talk with my people, which is her, and um, we will get back to you shortly. If you need a producer, like I'm available. 
And uh, um, if you're down to make a couple graphics, um, we know you are talented there as well. So we will take it. You are too kind. And I know you probably have some pre-workout to go drink. So uh, <laughs> let the people know where they can follow you on social media and keep up to date with all the incredible and fun things you're doing. Oh, that's awesome. Um, yes, I am always drinking pre-workout. I'm not a huge coffee drinker. So however I can get my caffeine in, that is my route. Um, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at the same at Robin, R-O-B-Y-N. And as for my middle name, Nicole Brown underscore. There's another mystery solve what the, the middle initial was for. You, you learn something new every day on OTB, ladies and gents. But The secret is out. <laughs> uh, this is not the last time that you'll be on the show because this was absolutely electric and fun and we need to do this more often. Um, yeah. But ladies and gentlemen, Robin Brown. Thank you. Giant thank you to robin brown for coming on the show it's been way too long that we've been trying to get her on but we're all busy people and that will not be the last time you hear from robin brown on otb but harrison the pll the entry draft results came down wednesday night and we have an official order and we also have a massive trade that happened today thursday as we record this episode but the initial entry draft order looks like this we have the cannons picking number one overall then the Archers, then the Redwoods put an asterisk next to that. The Water Dogs, Chrome, Atlas, Whipsnakes, Chaos. Overall, I was thrilled with this order. You and I both being quote-unquote Redwoods fans. Um, yeah. You know, for them to get the number three pick and be as loaded as they were, I was like, this looks awesome. Archers getting number... The Archers always find themselves at the top of almost every draft, which is wild to me. They, they've just been balling out every year on the field, and then they're just like, oh, yeah, and also we're going to pick high in the draft, so our dominance continues. It's insane. And for whatever reason, I know Andy Towers tweeted, luck is for kids. Um, chaos always finds themselves at the bottom of drafts, but they always find a way. Well, I mean, that's what great teams do. They never get the high spots, and they just keep on plugging, keep on working, and... I mean, again, watch out for them to be in the semifinals, finals, whatever playoff structure we have this year for the PLL just because they are that team. Yeah, and then officially about an hour ago uh, came down, news kind of broke on Nico Sello's podcast, allegedly, and then it happened. Uh, allegedly. The trade is official, so credit to Ocello and company. Um the Atlas. They have... got that ultimate insider info. Don't oh, they? of course. That the ultimate ultimate insider info. It's two weeks in a row that they've broken news. Uh, Atlas have traded Rob Pinnell to our Redwoods for Let's the third go. pick in the 2021 entry draft, which is the draft that is just the Boston Cannons roster uh, and their second round draft pick in the 2022 college draft. And if you tell me right now that the Redwoods didn't just get a steal for one of the best players on the planet, you're fooling yourself. Yeah. I mean, earlier this or last year, Dom called Rob his most disappointing player in the PLL of the, the bubble. And coming to Net St. Lawrence Redwoods, I think, is the perfect move for Rob Pennell's career because he will be on an attack line with uh, – 
Jules Henningberg, Ryder Garnsey, Matt Cavanaugh, just a stacked offensive unit right there. Who do you sit for Rob? Do you sit Rob for like someone else? Do you just let that let line there dominate and bring Rob on whenever as the fourth attackman? There are so many possibilities to this move now. And if we uh, rewind to 2019 when the Redwoods were going on their run and got hot for the playoffs and everything, they were using four attackmen at the time. It was Jules, Ryder, uh, Cav, and they had Jojo Morasco move up from midfield to attack, and they played four up top. And sometimes they would also switch in Wes Berg, who they traded for during the season, to attack and have four attackmen running at one time. I think you can afford to do that if you're the Redwoods in this instance because of how dominant your midfield duo is with Perk and Miles Jones. Yeah, they can. you can get that fourth attackman off quickly for your LSM. And Perk and Miles can just sit up top and take two bombs waiting for someone to either get a turnover and start coming their way so they can drop into the defensive position. Or, you know hopefully for us, score and continue that Redwoods dominance. This is a team that is building for a title run. This is championship or bust time for Nat Schmidt. No other way to look at it. Let's let's also not forget that there is potential for a certain island to return to this team next year too. Matt Landis' one-year military obligation, I believe, is over and like he could be on call and and be you know summoned to the military but there's potential Matt Landis could be back on this team as well which everybody knows Matt Landis was severely missed by this team in the bubble last year yeah uh Garrett Apple definitely missed him uh covered up his defensive mistakes seamlessly and I mean and- you look at who is on this roster right now with Pinnell added, you've got Ryder, you've got Clark Peterson, who was a great role player on that attack. You've got Kavanaugh, Jules, and I think this Pinnell trade too is a high price security like insurance if Jules is unable to play. Yeah, just in case, because you never know with heart issues. You never know. And I mean, Jules just is training; you- he's he's ready to go. But if you need it, like and Jules can't play, you slide Rob right into play at, at, at X. Hey, that's one hell of a security blanket <laughs> right there. And it's just like, oh, yeah, I, I need something to just back up just in case. Let me go out there and grab one of the world's greatest attackmen to ever do it. And then you got Simple Brendan Gleeson that. that rounds out the attack. And Gleeson was great last year, and like the amount of playing time he got finally. Um, so those six on your attack is disgusting and obviously we're gonna get you know movement and everything with the entry draft and guys in the player pool so this isn't going to be the final roster for anybody um and then your defense you have eddie glazner stud apple you got finn sullivan who i think was very underrated didn't perform i'd say to like the highest of degrees but he was a great defender when he was in there having landis back hopefully will also be like that veteran presence to really kick him up a notch, get him hyped, get him ready for every game. But I, I keep thinking about what you said earlier because we are talking about the the player pool and stuff for the upcoming entry draft. And you, I, I asked, man, 
who wouldn't want Lyle Thompson though out of the player pool? And you're like the Redwoods. The Redwoods. It's not that they move. wouldn't want him. It's just they have so much talent already. They don't need. They don't, they don't necessarily need to add another piece right. like that. Um, and then Matt Landis, Chris Price rounds out the defense, and then you've got Pasquuljan and Peyton Smith at faceoff, which might be just for lack of a better term, the weakest spot on this Redwoods team. And who knows what they do in the college draft or what they do, you know, free agency and player pool wise. But I think another year under their belts, both of those guys were first time PLL rules faceoff guys last year. I think it'll be a benefit for them to get another year of experience. Then goalie wise, you've got Jack Kelly still on this roster, hasn't played a single game in the PLL, and he's an absolute stud. Uh, Gunnar Walt, and then obviously Tim Troutner. And then LSM-wise, you got Larkin Kemp, John Sexton, Hugh Krantz, and then Miles Jones, Tyler Dunn, Brent Adams, Kyle Harrison, Joe Walters, Nick Osello, Jack Neer, Sergio Perkovic, and Pat Harbison as your midfield. First of all, let me just start off with a hashtag protect Osello. Uh Facts. But I, I, this team is just made for the playoffs. They're made for the regular season and the playoffs. I This is a lot of bias coming off of me right now because they are my team. Uh, but I really think this could be the year that they finally break the Whipsnakes' hold on the league, on the title. <sighs> Dynasties have to end at some point. On paper, this is the best team in the league. On paper, yeah. Top to bottom, no matter what you say, sure, there are teams that have better face-off guys, but on paper, top to bottom, this is the most stacked and loaded roster in the PLL right now. The thing is, this is exactly what we were saying about Atlas LC when the PLL kicked off two years ago, or three years ago now at this point. Um, I wasn't necessarily on board with it per se, um, because yeah, I still uh, thought there was a lot of chemistry holes and things that needed to be shored up. Um, but this is a, I, I will say this is a much different team than that Atlas team. They've already shown they can, this is also proof in my mind that Atlas is getting ready to rebuild like from a young getting youth injected into this team. And now you move up to number three in the entry draft, which a lot of people are like, Oh, it's for Michael. Sauer. The entry draft is for, new players so yeah this has nothing to do with the college draft but the, the whole, the whole sours thing is okay, the whole sours thing is because they have the number one pick in the college draft Correct. and they would be dumb, dumb. not to pick anyone other than especially sours. now um yeah. so they had to clear they, they spot made the move to get to make space for sours and this is just proof that i think the direction that they're gonna go is you have trevor baptiste as your face-off guy and you're going to build around Michael Sowers and Brian Costabile. Now, who do you take with that third pick? So with it being the, you know, the entry draft, there's a number of players that can be taken from the player pool of guys coming from the MLL, new players that are going to be in there. Who knows who they take? You know, because the draft order is now set and it's going to be Cannons, Archers, Atlas, Water Dogs, Chrome, Atlas. So Atlas have two picks in this entry draft now to get proven players. Um, you got the Whip Snakes and Chaos rounding everything out. Um, I mean, I would take an offensive player and a defensive player. 
with their uh, three and six picks. Does does like Lyle a, does Lyle fit the Atlas? Because I mean, Jeremy is on Atlas as well. That's an underrated aspect of everything. Everybody talks about Lyle playing with Miles. I don't think Lyle's going to be on the board at that point. I That's think he's also gonna go true. Off, I think he's going off one overall for, to the Cannons. Yeah, I mean, you've got uh, a number of guys coming over that you could go IDA. Yeah, uh, shore up that defensive midfield spot right IDA there. IDA would be a would be the smart pick, I'd say, for the. But Atlas. he's not flashiest. That's he's not the thing. He's not flashy, but he's also severely underrated for what he does in the field game. And you and I he's get the so opportunity good. to watch him in the box game because he plays for the wings. But he is a guy that if you let him slip by, and you foolishly let him get to the whip snakes to team back up with his Maryland boys, you're making a catastrophic mistake if you're the Atlas with two if, opportunities to take him. If you let IDA drop to the Whoops next, you may as well just hand them the trophy right then and there. Yeah. Because that's another nasty piece to that team. Who has chemistry with a majority of that team. I mean, he's Philly boys with Rambo. Maryland uh, boys. Maryland boys with the Whip Terps. So... Or the Turks, Turks, Turks snakes, however you want Whatever to call it. Whatever it is. Yeah. Like, IDA is someone who needs to be off the board by six if every, anybody else in the league wants a chance. Because you know whip snakes are biting at the bit just to get him. It's going to be really weird if Lyle goes 1-1 one, one, and he's in a cannons uniform. <laughs> oh, man. It's... Bayhawks fans look away at that point. It's just like, Because, uh, I mean, I don't think Lyle... There's not really... I mean, there's always a spot for Lyle. Like, don't get it twisted where we're talking about Lyle here, but just from a... Oh, no, no. Lyle a walks strictly into every like, single team. Team-building standpoint, like, the Archers, they're set up you top. You don't want to be too attack-heavy. Yeah. Like, of course, every single one of these teams would kill to have a talent like Lyle Thompson on the team. I say a talent. The talent that is Lyle Thompson. But, again, you look at Archers and you look at Redwoods, do they need another attackman? The answer is no. The Redwoods got theirs. Essentially, the Redwoods drafted Rob Pinnell. Yeah. They they just did what they couldn't do last year with with the third pick again. Just like he was last year. Mm-hmm. Like that's so, essentially what the Redwoods did here by making this trade. You gave up a second round pick in the 2022 college draft, which, for all intents and purposes, won't be as loaded as this college draft. Yeah, like that, it will they, be talented, but this year especially is going to be banana land. Uh, so it was a really shrewd move by Nat Saint Laurent too. And Nat's not afraid to make these. Like Nat is. For all intents and purposes, he is the trader of the league. Like He will make trades to improve his roster any which way, and we've seen it time and time again when he's traded for guys over the first two years of the PLL. Yeah. He is – I mean, all the coaches in the PLL are, like, gutsy as hell, I got to say. But, man, he just can throw out these trades and be – just not scared of what happens because he's so confident in his game plan. 
this man is taking the Redwoods to the final. It, in my opinion, I hope so. But I mean, he's in the past. He's gotten Ryder Garnsey as an undrafted free agent. He's drafted yep. Tyler Dunn, Tim Troutner, Clark Peterson, and Brendan Gleeson. They're all yep. on the roster. All six or all five of those guys are still on the roster. Uh, Finn Sullivan, Greg Pasculjan were his draft results. Uh, you know, from the entry draft, college draft gets Peyton Smith and Chris Price, and he knows how to build a team. And yes, that is the Every most single- important part of the PLL is being able to build a team that you can construct and get an 18, you know, guy roster for game day and go out and, and ball. This isn't like other leagues in America where you have a set amount of all-stars and you try to allocate them evenly through each team. No, all eight of these teams are basically all-star teams. These are like the cream of the crop. And the way to win in this league is to build the team based off of chemistry, who you think will work best with each other and who won't work with each other. And Matt knows this. And if he thinks Rob Pinnell is the man for Redwoods, then he's the man for Redwoods. This is the fourth like high-profile trade Nat has made in the three years of the PLL. Obviously, number one, traded for Jules Henningberg. He traded for Westberg, got him to a championship. Traded for Miles Jones last year, that got them to the semifinal, and now he trades for Rob Pinnell. Now he trades for Rob Pinnell. Like the moves he's able to make, he's also traded for Jerry Raganese. Like he makes moves to improve his roster when he sees fit, and that's the that's the the crux of what Nat builds. He's a team builder, and I think it's important, you know, that he's still a college coach and knows how to fit pieces where they belong. And I think that goes into what he does when it comes to the Redwoods. And it's impressive what he's been able to do over these first three years. And adding Rob Pinnell as either a day one starter uh, to run for attackman because you can afford to only run like two, maybe three midfielders at a time with the, the duo of Perk and Miles Jones. This team is going to score goals. Oh, yeah. They're going to be ripping them. It's going to be fun to watch. Uh I re- what I really like too about this trade is that he didn't have to give up any pieces of his current team mm-hmm. because he's showing that even if he's going out to get this ridiculous attackman, none of these players to him are expendable. Yep. It's whenever he has to trade a player, it's a sacrifice that has to be made instead of, yeah, go on, take him. Yeah. And it's, I mean, there's a couple older guys on this roster, most notably Kyle Harrison and Joe Walters. So from a midfield standpoint, like I'm sure that weighs heavy on on Nat's mind of like, okay, like I need to be prepared for whenever these two get ready to hang it up, whether you know that's in a year or two, because I think both of them still have a lot of gas in the tank to, to yeah, go they, out they, and perform. They still look like they're in their or around their prime, and that's like, where I think Nat either attacks, you know, later on in the entry draft or attacks the college draft is the midfield I would, position. I would take midfielders in the college, uh, in the college draft for sure. Um, Cause it, it just be... has to be depth guys because your two big names are still extremely young. Like you have yeah. Perk, who's a 2017 grad and then you have miles Jones who graduated in 2016. So super young guys that can still go out for the next 10 years and be absolute 
rock solid anchors of your midfield. Yeah. Like you you don't need to take the uh biggest and best players in the college draft. Just find the players with the highest upside. Throw them in this team with two phenomenal in their prime midfielders who can teach them, two vets who can show them the ropes and just let them grow. And that's how you build fantastic title winning dominant midfields that will keep you relevant for the next 10 to 20 years. 1000%. And I think that's, that's going to be weighing on, on all these coaches minds as we continue to watch the college season unfold. Um, been in some electric games so far that Duke and Denver game was potentially a championship preview. And then UNC just decided to roll over their competition. They look like a wagon. So, I mean, there's going to be a ton of talent that eventually is going to be coming into the PLL and it's exciting. And hopefully there's opportunity for a lot of these guys, but obviously only being eight teams, Roster's got to be constructed in a way to fit a certain amount of players. I, we've said it time and time again, Dom and I have, and I know you've been on since the summer and we've talked about it on and off pod. We need some sort of minor league or, you know, yeah. quote unquote B division to let these guys roll some sort of like NBA G league in a way where it's not like a development league, but it's a way for these guys to continue playing, get yeah. paid and continue to show off their talents. Yeah, I mean, just you don't even need to change the name of the MLL. Call it minor league lacrosse. Mm-hmm. It, it's easy as that. And just it's not even time. like minor league. It's it's kind of just like a... Yeah, it's not. It's, it's, it's a second league. Yeah, and but, it's all encapsulated into one. It's like all under yeah. one umbrella. Something has to happen in that regard, whether it's next year or the year after. But I think that's something that should start to, you know, weigh on the minds of the Rables in the front office of the PLL to get more players playing and continue to get guys active and keep them playing, you know, at the peak of their careers. Yep, 100%. So I think that's all we got for you guys. We'll keep you updated with anything else that goes down trade-wise and obviously the the drafts that will be ensuing. We've got uh, the Cannons expansion draft on march 11th so a month from day of us recording this march 25th is the entry draft the uh protected rosters and waivers close on february 28th um so we still got about like two weeks there and then uh all teams waiver wire opens on march 30th college draft april 6th and We'll be keeping you posted with everything, and hopefully the PLL gets underway and without a cinch, and we have a PLL season so we can get back to watching uh, pro lacrosse. Yep. Hopefully soon. I miss it, man. So uh, make sure you guys follow us on social media, Twitter and Instagram, at OTBLaxPod. You can follow Harrison on Twitter at HarryGK83. You can follow Dom on Twitter at WashLifestyle, and you can follow me on Twitter at KBIZZL311. Make sure you guys follow Robin as well. She dropped her socials in our little conversation. And uh, make sure you check out the website, undergroundsportsphiladelphia.com. I'm sure Harrison's going to be writing up about this Rob Pinnell trade and everything that goes down from here on out. Undergroundsportsphiladelphia.com is the website. And uh, make sure you guys subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to the podcast. Leave those five-star ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. Let us know how you feel about this Pinnell trade. 
everything that Robin and I talked about, the NLL season getting canceled, anything in between. Leave a five-star review rating. Help us get back to five out of five stars so those wise guys don't, you know, they, they don't get satisfaction because we all know wise guys finish last. Uh, five stars only. You can also check us out on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, uh, for the main pod, the TuneIn app for everything, iHeartRadio, Radio.com, wherever you get your podcasts, you can find Underground Sports Philadelphia. And uh, we'll be back later next week, probably with another guest. Any news that goes down, Rob Pinnell, if you want to come on the podcast, more than open to it. And, uh, again, big thank you to Robin Brown for coming on the show this week. And uh, check out our sponsors. show wouldn't be possible without them. Tomahawk Shades, Manscaped, and Stateside Urban Craft Vodka. Same promo code for all three websites, USP, at TomahawkShades.com. It gets you 25% off your order. Manscaped.com gets you 20% off, free shipping, and a big old thank you from your balls. And Stateside Urban Craft Vodka, you get 10% off the one-liter vodka bottles. Must be 21 or older to order. And please drink responsibly. This has been episode number 154 of the Outside the Box podcast right here on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. For Harrison, I'm KB. We are signing off. Roll Woods.